good worship. God better than the music in the worship. Amen. I want you to take your Bible this morning to look at Mark. I have had a great time for two nights here, and I'm thankful that you're here this morning. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Um, God is going to be here both meetings. Already, he is, He's already in our presence. If you have not experienced that, I'm just telling you, God is God is here. And if you don't have that sensitivity to Him in this place, in the midst of His people, ask Him for it. Ask Him for it. I was in a meeting some years ago uh, in Atlanta uh, at a Promise Keepers meeting, Mark chapter five, where we'll be. And I was at that meeting, and there were sixty thousand men there. And as they were there, uh, God, through the speaker, said, uh, men, you need to be broken. And when he said that, 59,999 men began to weep. Just the Holy Spirit just swept across the place. But the one that wasn't was me. And I looked around and I thought, I know I'm saved. I know I trust Jesus. God, why, why am I not weeping? And I began to pray, why am I not weeping? And in just a little while, he overcame, he, he rolled over me or, or spilled out onto me. And I began to weep and not really understanding the weeping that I had, it's just that he, he's worthy of my weeping. And I was, I was insensitive to what he was trying to do with all the men there until I asked him for it. So, so I say to you today, if you don't sense his presence, he wants you to sense his presence. He wants you to experience his presence. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to be, and we prayed earlier about this, he wants you He wants you to have a tangible experience with Almighty God. He desires that of us this morning. And one of the keys to that is to really believe, to really believe who God is through Christ Jesus. And the word believe means to, to think it to be true or to have confidence or to trust. Those are some definitions of what it means to believe. And sometimes we, we believe with an intellectual belief and we believe with an understanding and all that's good and fine. And although I do very little things intellectually, but anyway, those, those things are fine and well. But we, we don't, we don't believe to the point that it changes our life. It changes our mind. It changes our view. It converts us into something other than ourselves, which is the whole meaning of being born again. And coming to salvation. In chapter 5, we're going to read down. I'm going to read several verses here this morning. And uh, and I pray God will uh, use these scriptures to minister to us. But go down to verse 21 of chapter 5. I'm going to read down uh, to 42. So it's going to be lengthy. Just follow with me. Because there's a lot here and I'm not going to cover it all today. I'll have you out by 2 or 3. So the lunch crowd won't be a problem. They'll be 8 and gone. But he said in the word of God, verse 21, it says, Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat of the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jair Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Then Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and enthroned him. Now a certain woman with an issue of blood or a flow of blood, the Bible says, for 12 years and had suffered many things from the physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. 
when she heard about Jesus, she came and behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she had been healed of her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, You see a multitude in thronging you, but you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, came the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house where the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult that was of those who wept and wailed loudly. And then he came in and said to them, Why make this commotion in you? The child is not dead, but sleeping. But And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered the house where the child was. And he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl rose and walked. For she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Father, this morning, I pray for us to be amazed. Father, this morning, I pray for us to only believe and believe only in you. I'm so thankful for the music. I'm so thankful for your presence and your Holy Spirit today. I'm so thankful for the time building up to this time. But God, I'm praying now for your word which never comes back void, Lord, to change lives starting with me. And God, I'm thankful that you can do these things and that we don't have to go to different sources for different situations. We come to you for whatever we need and you are more than able. So we ask you now to bless your word and bless the teaching of it in the name of Jesus. We pray all these things. Amen. Amen. In chapter 5, this passage we're looking at, Jesus had crossed over the sea to the Gadarenes. And, and before he crossed over the sea, if you go back up and we couldn't cover it all, but he'd already dealt with a demon-possessed man and, and he'd already dealt with the spirit in him. And, and in that place where he dealt with the demon spirit, you all heard the story about Legion. And, and he comes up and he's, he's in a graveyard. He's in a cemetery. They kept him chained there. He was so bad. I mean, I was a bad guy before God saved me. They didn't chain me up in the cemetery. I mean, he was a bad dude. It's a term being used a lot lately. But he was he was just a bad guy. And, and yet Christ uh, came to him and the demons immediately saw Christ, understood who Christ was. And by the way, let me say something. It's not enough to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and embodies the power of God in the person of Jesus Christ because demons even believe and tremble and yet they're not born again. So just to believe that he is who he is is the first thing, but then there's more to that. But the demons saw and, and they, they cried out and, and said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus took the demons and put them into the swine. You know the story. And the swine had more sense than most people. Some people get the spirit of evil in them. They keep it and enjoy it. The swine at least knew to jump off the side of the mountain and fall into the sea. They knew not to keep that in them. 
But they went, and so that's, that's going on. And, and what happened is that people had been following Jesus, and a, and a crowd was coming around and seeing all these things. And, and so Jesus went across the sea again. And this is when he's returning. And this is what I want you to see about what's happening here. Because now he's coming back, and there's still a great gathering of people that are waiting for him to come back. When he starts coming back uh, across this small sea, it's not we call it a sea like it's huge. It's not that big, but they can see him coming back across. And they had, but when he left from them, he had just done this miraculous demon uh, ex- extraction or uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, thank you, exorcism. See, I don't have a vocab. I started to write a dictionary, and I and I and I started in a post-it note stack, and I never finished the one stack. I don't have a very big vocabulary like Brother Stan. I'm very simple. I, most of what I use is well, post-it note. Anyway, but but this what was that word again? Yeah, exorcism. This exorcism had happened, and he cast this demon out. The demon gets in the swine. The swine go and see because they got better sense than the average person. And he goes across the sea, and the people stay there and watch him. And I want you to get this point because the point I want to make to you is that the people were still amazed at the presence of Jesus. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. See, we, we, we forget how good God has been. We forget that God has delivered somebody from drugs or alcohol. We forget that God has saved somebody from death and hell into life. We forget how good God has been. And so we leave the church like a man who's looked in the mirror. We leave the church and we forget what we saw or what manner of man we are. And we don't come back because we're not amazed. And I'm telling you this morning, we have an amazing Savior. He's not just our Savior, but He is our Savior. Plus much more. And we should stand in amazement. These people were standing by the sea. He left them and they just, they're, they're just waiting. They're waiting and watching in church. What we need to have is an expectation and a desire that we wait and watch. And when we come to church at Northside Bible Church on your way over, you start getting joy in your heart because you know you're going to meet with the one who died for you. But we don't stand amazed anymore. We see, we see him do great things and we're just not amazed anymore. But this man, this, this man, Jairus, uh, Jairus, excuse me, he sees him. He knows he's coming. And he's a powerful man. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He's a religious man. But I'm going to tell you what's failed him right now. Is he's got a child that is about to die. And he knows that every synagogue service he can go to and every feast he can keep and every great high holy day that they can observe in Judaism is not going to help his daughter who's dying. But coming across the sea, he sees an amazing, amazing Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes and he runs to him and he begins to tell him that his daughter is in trouble. You see, he understood and was amazed at what God could do. And, 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 and he realized that now Jesus is coming back. And, and I want to remind you, he's here this morning. We're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when he saw him in amazement, he began to worship. That word there, worship, is a word we get prostrate from. But, but he basically falls down at the feet of Jesus as he comes over back to this place, still in amazement, still in confidence and surety and belief that Jesus can heal his daughter. And he says, Jesus, my daughter is dying. And the Bible says that he begged him to come see his daughter. Now, I looked up that word because I'm not a Greek scholar, but but I, I have books that can help me find out things. And that word for, for, for begged is translated to croak. Or to cry like a raven. I want you to get this for a minute because probably, I'm just guessing. 
I've walked the property, and Brother Stan, he shared with me from over the years of, of what, there was a heyday, and it's not today. Northside. We're going to get some of that back with revival because Jesus is what made the heyday the, thir- the first time. There's a lot of facility here. Oh, we're trying to build facility where we're at. you got facility to build into. But but what happened is, is, is that there's nobody saying, God, like a crying raven. You ever hear raven? It aggravates you. You want to shoot them. It's miserable sound. It's, a, it's an annoying sound. But I'm telling you, we, we come and say, oh, God, please help. And, oh, I wish God would help. But we don't, we're not amazed. We're not standing in amazement. And we're not desperate. And we're not crying. And we care how we look. And we care how we sound. And we care how we carry ourselves. When what we ought to do is fall over an altar of God and cry and say, God, help my child. Because we have children that need help. God, help my mother and father. Because we have parents that need help. God help my pastor because our pastor, as good as he is and a man of God, he needs God's help. Sometimes you can cry out, God have mercy on me. I'm just a sinner. Instead of walking in over the amazement. You know, some people are still bragging about the amazement God gave them 50 years. Let me tell you something, he's amazing today. He is a marvelous and amazing God. They, they were amazed, at, and, and Jairus sees him, and he's amazed, and he comes, and he just cries out, and he didn't sound good, he didn't look good, he probably had, he probably had snot coming out. Tears, and I'm, you know, we don't want to do that, but I'm telling you, sometimes you have to get so broken before God recognizing who he is and the awesomeness of who he is where you can say, God, I don't care about me anymore. I don't care how I look. I just want you near me, God. But he was amazed. Here's the thing, too. I want you to get this. When he comes to the edge of the sea, Jairus comes over there in a great multitude. He begged him earnestly and said, My little daughter, verse 23, is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. He has confidence, no doubt in his mind. Jesus, I know you're the answer. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He's your answer today. Jesus is the answer to your salvation. Jesus is the answer to your creation. Jesus is the answer to your sustenance and your the fact that you that he created you but now think you consist because of him. He is the answer to why this world is swirling around, flying around the sun, spinning on its own axis. We're not flying off and we're just the right distance away from the sun that your tomatoes get perfectly ripe when it's time. That's how good of a God, that's the amazing God that we have. He's our, he's our deliverer. He's, he's our savior. He's our captain. He's the rose of Sharon blooming. He, he is the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. He is the Christ. He is the son of God. And yet he is God. He is the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm telling you today? He is our father. He is our forgiver. He's our friend. He is faithful. He is true. He is an awesome and mighty God. He gives us the unction that we have in our function. He gives us everything that we have. He is amazing, God. You can't say enough about him to cover all the amazing he is. That's why you have to stop with the simple thing that he said. I am your deliverer. I am your savior. I am your healer. I am the one that's going to give you the strength when you're weak. And I'm going to give you humility when you're too proud and too strong. I am everything you need. I am, I is, I will be, I never was, not I am. Hallelujah. That's how amazing he is. Good yesterday, good tomorrow. 
you know, they talk about Twinkies, how long they last. I already saw Zombie Land. They'll run out of Twinkies, but we'll never run out of Jesus. Hallelujah. He is that God. He is that man, God-man. But what happens when you realize that, verse 24 says, so he went with him. See, what we're looking for for revival is not some special meeting and, and some feeling, some tingly feel. I hope you feel something, but it's not about the feeling. Because when I leave here, if you had a good time and you smiled and you cried and you prayed and you believed and you trusted and your faith was increased, that's wonderful. But next week, you've got to live on, on your own except for Jesus. And the next week and the next week, I hope I hear in months, to, in months to come that you're running out of seats to sit in and you're running out of space here and you've got more money than you know what to do. And I want to hear all those things. And that doesn't mean revival if the presence of God isn't here. But the presence, your presence is heaven to me. There's a chorus song that we sing. And it is because we need, and when we, when we believe him and when we, when we, when we, listen, when you brag about the son, the father is pleased. When we brag about him, he's in our presence and we're with him. It's that old song. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Catch this. And the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. Man, if that don't put joy in your heart, I'm contemporary. So am I. I'm ahead of contemporary. I'm cutting edge. But don't edge I'm going to cut is with the power and might of the Lord Jesus Christ walking with me. So, listen, when you, when you desire him and when you, when you are standing his, in may, amazed of him, then he, he goes with you. If you, listen, if you think he's your spare tire and you just keep him in the trunk until you get in trouble, you're not going to enjoy the blessings and awesomeness of God. Now, he'll still, listen, let me tell you something. When you need him, he still shows up. He's better than a spare. You know, you open a trunk now, they got this little bitty thing. It says don't drive over 40 and don't go over 50 miles. My goodness. What good is that? But Jesus is always there when you call on his name. He's going to come. He desires to meet with you. And it doesn't matter how bad you feel. I talked about feelings a while ago. You can be brokenhearted and depressed. Let me tell you something. When you're brokenhearted and depressed, the Bible says that he draws near unto a contrite spirit and a broken heart. I went King James on you just then. What it means is he draws nigh. He, he, well, I said near nigh. Anyway, he's coming. So wherever you're at and you need him, he's there. But he delights. And you're looking for him with an amazement from, when, from the last time you spent time with him. Let me ask you a question. I don't want you to answer it. When was the last time you knew you were in the presence of all? I'm not talking about a good church service. You knew you were in the presence of God. You're praying and you feel something brushed by. Now I sound Pentecostal, don't I? You're praying and you, you feel. I'll tell you one morning a lady came down the altar in a church I was visiting. When she walked by me, she was getting saved. They thought she was saved. I heard the pastor took her hands and he said, no, you're already saved. And she's just squalling and shaking her head. But I felt it. When she walked by my pew, I bumped my wife. I said, she's getting saved. And she said, she's already saved. I said, I'm telling you, I felt him come by. What a, what a wonderful thing. And I wanted to experience the presence of the Lord every day. 
Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people, so I'm going to praise him. It's not a manipulation of, you can't manipulate the Spirit of God. But it's an acknowledgement. And let him manipulate you. Second thing, is there was a person with a problem there. They stood in amaze in the presence, but there was a person with a problem there. And that's when we go into the story of this. First of all, Jairus has a problem. His daughter's dying. Second of all, there's another lady there. She's got a problem too. You see, here's the thing. If you don't think you got a problem, if you think you're all right, that means that you're stuck in the status quo. And status quo has got to go so that God can move in. If you'll get over the status quo and realize you got a problem, and if you don't think you have a problem, spend some time with me today. I can take 15 minutes and tell some things wrong with you. That's not because I'm a prophet. That's because I'm a discerner. I was a natural discerner. That's how I worked like I did in the street so well. I could tell what was going on with people. But just a few minutes, and by the way, I don't see any of my problems, but I can see all of yours. I pray for truth to come all over y'all and mercy to fall all over me. You know what I'm saying? That's just the truth and you do it too, but you don't want to say it out. But we have problems. When I'm the most spiritual I've ever been, I still have some problems. So then I want everybody to know how spiritual I am. Self-righteousness. It doesn't matter exactly what it is. It's that I know that I fall short. The Bible says this. I fall so short of the glory of God. And yet I want to keep my eyes fixed on Him. So he, he realized there's a woman with a problem. There's a person with a problem. I'm going to talk about the woman. Look down at verse 25. And stuff this woman, this certain woman. And I want you to catch that in the Bible, when you hear the word certain, where it has it pertains to a man or a woman, you need to pay attention to that. Because I'm going to tell you something. You need to desire to be a certain person. Because that certain statement means pay attention to this woman for ever since that she met Jesus, she's been in the Word of God, and we've been reading about this woman and hearing about this woman because there was something that made her a certain woman. And here's what it was. Number one, she had a problem. Number two, she knew she had a problem. And number three, she knew where the problem solver was at. That makes you suddenly famous. And, and by the way, you know people. You talk about a certain man and a certain woman. You remember in your past that demonstrated the love of Jesus, the faith in Jesus, and the walk in Jesus that you want to be. And you remember that person and you hope to one day be that good. My friends, let me tell you something. You can be better because you can be like him who saved But you have that certain person and this certain woman came. A distinction made to her, a model in Scripture, this certain woman and this certain man, Jairus, even called by name. And they're, they're, a, they're a model in Scripture. Now, I want to tell you about it being a model. I know some of y'all think, well, he's probably a model, like a magazine and stuff. No, I could have been. <laughs> I'm going to even finish that one. <laughs> but when I first started preaching, a lady walked by the door one morning and she said, you're a model pastor. Glad you had discernment from God to see that. And so anyway, me and my wife, we start leaving. We're walking out of the parking lot. I said, honey, did uh, you hear what that woman said? I said, yeah, I did. She was impressed. I said, well, I don't remember exactly how she said it. Could you tell me? She said, honey, she said you were a model pastor. I said, yes, you did. So we went to lunch. We were eating lunch. We were talking about life and things. And I said, honey, what did that lady say to me walking out of the church? She said, she said, you're a model pastor. Yes. Here's what she said. We got home that night. I said, honey, 
what was it? I just can't remember the wording. What was it? What did that woman say at the door of the church? She said, your mom passed away. I said, yeah, that is what she said. Well, hold on a minute. I've been thinking about that thing. And then I looked it up in the dictionary of what a model is, and it said it's a small imitation of the real thing. <laughs> That's how I become a model. But listen, I want to be a model. I want to be a model of what it looks like to know who I am, know who he is, and run to him for what he can do. Not just for me. Because when God does something for me, it's not about me. It's for his glory. See, the Bible says, and I'm going to point it across, the Bible says if we get him high and lifted up, he'll draw all men to himself. So if we're not drawing, if he's not drawing all men to Northside Bible Church, it's because we're lifting something else up. We're lifting up our theology or our or our, our denomination or lack of denomination or we're lifting up our pastor or our praise team. And by the way, there's a praise team here that's worthy of people. People can get really distracted. With the good music y'all doing. Praise. I'm, and I'm, I'm giving you, that's a good thing. You've got to make sure you keep it coming back to the glory of Christ. Because you're good. See, we've got a problem in our church. Our music's not good, and that's a problem. You got music good enough that it can be a problem. Does that make any sense? Because we all have to know that we're just people that need Jesus. But she comes, and I'm a, I'm, I don't want to preach till two. I was really joking about that. But she had suffered many things from many doctors. That's what the book says, what the Bible says. It said, verse 26 says, she had suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, I want you, I'm going to stop this minute because I've been to, I don't know how they are in Alabama, but you go to the doctor in Douglas with good insurance, Douglas, Georgia, you can sit there three hours to see a PA. And every time I go, I, you know, sometimes I think something's really wrong with me. And I just, I'd rather be really wrong with me and physically than to go deal with the doctors. Because they'll talk to me and then they charge me and then they send me to another one that talks to me and charges me. Finally, they send me to one that'll charge me and stick me with a needle and then they send the test off to another one who wants me to come there and do a scan and a screen and I don't fit in some of those things that they put you in that measure you and do all that stuff. And I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. And I'm thinking, this woman's got a bigger problem than me, but she has done everything she can do for 12 years. She has sought the best medical attention and spent all the money she had and church, she was no better. But she saw a bunch of people amazed about a Nazarene. And she came up. Jarius beat her there because he's he's head, he's head dog at the... But you catch this. He's a head guy in the religious order. He's a ruler at the synagogue. So he gets first call. And Jesus says, yeah, I can do that. And he's walking, going with him. She sneaks in. And all she says in her heart is, I could just touch is gone. That's a beautiful picture. I mentioned last night of First Colossians chapter 3 it starts off talking about taking off our garment and putting on his. Jesus was a his garment was holiness righteousness purity. He also wore a garment of only speaking what the Father spoke only doing what the Father called him to do total obedience. He had a garment that meant much more than just a robe. But all she knew is if I could just get to that, I've got faith if I could just get... Listen, you don't have to hug Jesus, although he'll give you one from time to time. But if you can just get near him, tuck close enough, and she reached through and she touched the garment, and the Bible says that she was healed. Y'all should have got excited about that. 
She's healed. The doctors have done all they can do. There's nobody. And see, we at church now, oh, he can heal certain things. Brother Jack shared. He's got a friend that he's praying for. And somebody said, leave, quit praying for him. God's not going to do anything. You don't know what God's going to do. And I don't know what God's going to do. But I know there's nothing that God can't do. And so she reaches through and she touches and she gets healed. And she, he says, who did that? The disciples said, now the disciples, again, they're just so, they're like me. They're just so hard-headed. They're like, what do you mean who did this? Jesus, can't you see all these people around here? He goes, yeah, I see all these people, but there's one who wasn't just amazed, but one that really believed. And they touched me. And virtue, power, strength, authority came out of me and into them. And when she heard that, she said, he said, he turned around and started looking. She said, oh, if he can heal me, he can know me. By the way, he knows you. He sees you. You are naked before him. You're hiding nothing. He looks right into your soul today, right now, as I'm speaking. He is bearing your inner parts. So you know what you need to do? It was me. It was me. But I'm healed. He said, your faith, your believing was answered to your problem. She didn't hug him. She didn't touch him. She just got close and touched the hem of the garment. Now here's how the devil works. Why you finally you saw something, you experienced something, happened to you, happened to somebody near you. Now, brother man, I, I get it. I believe it now. I believe it. While he is speaking and she's responding, Somebody runs up and goes, Jairus, your little girl's dead. Don't trouble him anymore. That's the people in church that don't believe. You can't ask Jesus for everything. Oh, yeah. He made everything. He spoke it. <laughs> don't watch. She's dead. You had a request, but the truth is, leader of the synagogue, he walked right by you and stopped and let that virtue and that healing come out of you, this woman. We don't understand it. That's what he did. The Father. Jesus said, don't pray that more. Let's just keep going. Let me, say, let me tell you this. It's never too late. It's never too late. I preached about parenting a little bit last night. It's never too late. I bless my son. He he came back. He blesses me when I bless him. Every now and then things will get so crossed up and he's he's born again. He's going to heaven when he dies. I thought that ended my job, but it doesn't. But I bless him. And I bless him in the name of Jesus. And I, I was talking about blessing him one time and a guy, he had a grown daughter, and he said, My daughter's out of the house. She's wavered, she's living with a guy, she's in drugs and foolishness and everything. And he said, What do I do when she's out of my house? I said, You bless her. Never too late. Never too late. They said, Jairus, Jairus, she's gone. Jairus, she's gone. Jesus said, look what he said. While he was still speaking, someone came to Jairus' house and said, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the teacher any further. If he was just a teacher, you would be troubled. But he's more than a teacher. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler, don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid might be as important as only believe because here's the thing. When you hear something like that, 
you lose your faith. My son getting out of the car. He's about two years old. And I had this truck that I didn't really didn't know what truck it was. And he reached up, being a little fella, to, to kind of make it by the truck. He reached up, put his hands inside the door. I was spinning around to help him, and I shut the door. The door locked, so I couldn't just open the door. His little hands were stuck. I pulled it out. I pulled it out. And y'all, it was it was pure white across the knuckles. His fingers were bent. Mine don't have much fingers, but they were bent back. And I, I got the keys and I got it out, and he was just a little kid. He's crying, and, and it scared me so bad, Stan. I, I didn't have time to be scared enough to call 911. I grabbed him by the hand. I said, God, don't let this boy be hurt. I didn't mean to. I didn't see it, God. Do something. Heal his hand. He quit crying. And I said, son, are you okay? He said, I think so. And I said, do like that. Church, I'm telling you, he did like that. We went inside. His babysitter came out and said, what was all the screaming about? I said, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. I know some of you sitting there saying, well, you didn't have an x-ray. I didn't need an x-ray. You know, I don't even care if they weren't broke. But I believed that I needed God and I had hurt my child who I did not want to hurt. And when I cried out, suddenly things went back to normal. I'm going to give God the glory. Now he broke his arm one time. Pick it up. It was flopping around. Makes me sick remember. Both bones were snapped. It was flopping around. And when I saw it, I, he said, Daddy, I think I, here's what I did. No, son, it's broke. There's no more prayer there. Y'all with me? I acknowledged in the carnal. We don't need even go over it. And I took him to the hospital. Praise God, his arm went back. I did pray for his arm to set right and to grow right. All what I'm trying to say, I'm not saying that everything you speak, God's going to do. But I'm telling you, if you don't believe, he's going to do exactly what you believe. And if you speak to things and say, they've got cancer, there's no hope. When you say that, you have just wiped yourself out. I've gone in ICU rooms, and I know you've done this too, Stan. I've turned the corner, and I don't prepare my heart, and I see that person, and the first thing in my mind is, they're going home. But if I can prepare myself and set myself, God, I don't know what you're doing. I'm going to go in there and bring hope and light and faith in you and walk in there and pray. And, and many times, many times, things change. I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to tell you the powers in you because it has nothing to do with you, but you must believe. And if you look at something and get afraid of it, your fear will hinder your prayer. He says, he says, pray, in another passage, pray without doubting. You cannot have doubt, but for the believer, before you let your emotions get away from you, and before you quit, don't quit, and don't let your fear come up, just believe. That's what he says. He said, just only believe. He goes to the house, verse 38, and they're all crying. And that word tumult, I don't use those kind of words, but I know what it means. It's, it's basically, they're just, they're running back and forth. They're upset. They're rioting. He went inside and the father and the mother of the child with him were at the people ridiculed. You know why we, you know why we don't, we don't say, hey, let me come pray for you so you'll be healed? 
because we don't want somebody to make fun of us. You know what's hindering your prayer? It's not even fear. It's pride. You know how many people I've prayed for and they didn't get healed? Bunch. You know how many people I've prayed for that did get healed? More than I deserve to be a part of. It wasn't because I had any healing in these hands. I had a woman say, you have healing in your hands. I said, no, I have Jesus in my heart. And Jesus heals those that he sees fit to heal. But I want to be the one praying. John Maxwell said one time, and I'm going to get to finish the message. John Maxwell said one time when his little boy was born, he came home from the hospital and he took him into his little bassinet. And his wife laid down and he put the baby in the bassinet. And he said, son, the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God is eternal life. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. So if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. That the way is made to salvation. For with the heart one believes to righteousness, with the mouth confession is made. He's doing the Roman road. And his wife said, what are you doing? He can't understand the thing you're saying. He said, I don't know, but one day he's going to accept the gospel. And I want to be the one telling him that day. I'm going to tell him every day of his life. You see, it's not about you telling God when he's going to do what he's going to do. It's about you being there to observe, believe, trust, and fellowship, and glorify God in what he does. I'm about closed. He said, Jesus said, why are y'all making all this commotion? And they said, why didn't you leave that woman and follow Jairus, our leader of the synagogue, the religious man. Why don't you get over here and heal this child? He said, that child's not dead. Till my father says that child's dead. The child is only sleeping. Get out of here, you people, without any faith. He took them all out of the house, except the mother and father and the three disciples with him. And he went in and he said, little girl, arise. I know some of you are thinking, wow, I'd like to see somebody raised from the dead. When's the last time you asked for it? I'd like to see somebody with stage 4 cancer survive. When's the last time you asked for it? Let me tell you what happened here recently. I had a guy in my church, Gerald Bussey. I don't know if you remember him. Gerald found out he had cancer in his kidney. He was scared to death, worried about his wife, worried about his children. He's got grown kids. He said, Brother Matt, I, I, I want to come before the church and y'all anoint me with oil and pray and believe. I said, come on. By the way, the Bible says you ask for that. We don't just draw you up here and make a line. It's okay if you make a line, but that's not the way it's going. Anyway, he come, he came up, we prayed, we believed, and I did not know this, but that next week he went back to the doctor and he got some bad blood reports. Worse than they thought. Spread more than they thought. And he was really struggling. He didn't even have the he couldn't even talk to me without crying. He came on back to church Saturday, Sunday morning. Sunday morning when I was preaching, God just out of the blue, I was preaching about something totally unrelated. I said, I'm telling you, if we believe and we have faith, Gerald Bussey may go get his kidney removed, but they'll get in there and they'll pull it out and they'll go, we shouldn't have took the kidney out. It looked okay when we got there. I just said that. He started crying. I didn't know he had gotten the test results that he had gotten. He went on and had his kidney removed. They said there was no cancer. And he ain't got a kidney. <laughs> he should have believed a little farther. <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. I go. Listen, if I get sick, I go to the doctor. 
If I have a problem, I go to the doctor. And I go to the doctor so they can say, God has been here. And that way I can witness to them and to their nurses and to their staff and to everybody else because it's for the glory of God. He doesn't heal because I ask him to heal. He heals because it brings glory to his name. And if I can be unselfish and just believe, and believing is the answer that my faith will be what will make me well. He says, girl, little girl, I say to you, arise. And here's what happens when our faith matches the will of God. Immediately the girl arose and walked. For she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome. Back up to verse 21. They were amazed. There's nowhere in the Bible Jesus said, I'm not doing this anymore. Nowhere in the Bible said, I can't heal her. Nowhere in the Bible. And we're so scared of being charismatic and Pentecostal that we miss out on the blessings of God. I'm just telling you today, our, our church, our doctrinal statement is probably identical with Northside Baptist Church's uh, Bible. It's all good. By the way, Baptists believe the Bible. I were one until <laughs> I got delivered all the way. But listen. He never stopped it. There's some signs and some things that happened in the early church and signs and wonders that, that you may never see. And if you see them, you may not see them done right. But he never stopped one thing. He is the God that was yesterday. He's the God of today. And he is the God of forevermore. And when you read that even in the structural of the, of the language, man, when it, once he sets it, it's present, future, tense, Dangling participle something or something that Dr. Rayford tried to teach me. And I didn't go to school there. He tried to teach me on the side. It was difficult for him. But, uh, but I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is alive and well. And he wants to be alive and well in you. I'm going to close with this because we're looking for revival. And tonight I want you to come back tonight. The message is, is from the book of Psalms. And, and God will, I'm telling you if, you, if you just need to be uplifted tonight, that message is nothing in the world but just pouring, uplifting back into you from God. But here's what you got to do to be, everybody talks about let's have revival, let's get spirit filled. And I like that. That's a positive note. Let me tell you how you'll get spirit filled. It's not because you sing that this is there, I breathe me and my son. Y'all should have been able to hear us from down here. We love that song. We're singing it. We even got some little backup parts and stuff. But that's not how you get spirit filled. And, and you don't get spirit-filled. You don't even get spirit-filled just saying Jesus' name and waiting for the Holy Ghost to show up. That's not how you get spirit-filled. Let me tell you something that's a negative thing, but it's how you get to a positive thing. To be spirit-filled, you have got to get flesh healed. This is, a, this is a clay vessel that God's using for a period of time. And he has authority over every part of my body. But I have to surrender this morning, I want you to, we're going to have a time of invitation. That's what we do where I come from. We're going to have a time where they're going to be singing. The altar's going to be open. I'm going to be standing there. If you want prayer, maybe maybe you just, maybe you want to believe to a different level. I'm not going to impart greater belief on you, but you can put, impart greater belief on you. Because here's the thing. Nobody, nobody in this room can love God more than I do. Nobody in this world can love God more than I do. And the same stands for you. That is completely, your love, your trust, your faith, and your belief in Almighty God is completely dependent upon you. I wish it wasn't. I wish it's salvation. He made me a super saint 
and kept me that way. But he filled me with his Holy Spirit. He's refilled me over and over. And I've been filled since Sunday mornings. And by Wednesday, I leaked it all out. But he keeps on pouring in. He keeps on blessing me. And as long as I'll call him, he'll show up. As long as I'll stand in amazement, he'll go with me. So this morning, I'm asking you just to respond to God. I don't know what I said to you in the message that, that God spoke to your heart about, but whatever he spoke to you about, respond to God. And I promise you, he'll respond to you.